This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Welcome to the radio program Warning with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International and Eagle Saving Nations. Today, we are going to play a recording where Dr. E.J. Buckhart filled in for Dr. Hansen as he was traveling. Today's message is The Value of Health Principles Recorded in Scripture. This was recorded May 16, 2009. Now, let us begin. I was reading in a magazine that the ministry gets free of charge called Tomorrow's World Magazine. And it has to do with biblical principles of health. I, of course, have been trained at a theological seminary under a denomination. And one thing I have to be very careful of is that do I interpret Scripture based on how I was taught when I went through the seminary? And I don't care if it's a Catholic seminary, Lutheran seminary, Pentecostal seminary, whatever it is. Basically, I have a great understanding now that we become a product of what we've been taught by our teachers but the Lord always says, take it to the Scripture, this test to see. So some things I'll be talking about today, not going to try to change your theology, I'm not going to try to change your denominationalism, but I hopefully that we're going to get to the little point that sometimes if we look at Scripture, we'll find better answers to the world's situation and our situations if we, if we go to the Word. And this is not an easy thing to do. It's amazing when you see, say, a Muslim come to the Lord, because, I mean, you're, you're looking at a complete turnabout, or even a, a Japanese who's been in bought and raised in their type of, of uh, tradition, when they come to the Lord, I mean, it's a turnabout, but usually when it happens, they really get on fire for the Lord, where in America, the turnabout is usually not quite so drastic. So we need to, you know, sometimes look at Scripture and, and maybe analyze what we've been taught. We don't need to change necessarily because if it's not correct, <laughs> we don't do it. But, mm-hmm. but anyway, this is the principles of health. The last statement he has in here, and one of the prayers that I have, and my wife and I have pray every morning together, is, Lord, teach us and help us not to be deceived. Let us not be deceived. What's the word I... Try and think of the word we pray. It slips my mind. Discernment. Pray that we'll have discernment. Probably the, and that's a, to me that word means more than anything else in my life right now is have discernment because we're living in times when we need to, as Steve, you know, as he talked about absent, we need to have the discernment of our leaders, okay? And thank the Lord we've got a good leader here that we can pretty much say that he's following the scriptural principles, but that's not always the case in a lot of places. So, but it, it, it just says here, do not be deceived. Health principles are as important part or an important part of biblical religion. They are the fundamental keys revealed by our Creator to promise health and to prevent disease. And we'll get to that at the end. I've never looked at health as being a god, but I'm going to ask you to analyze something. It says For centuries, staying healthy was a means to an end. To survive, to earn a living, to raise a family, and accomplish a goal. Today, the quest for health has become an end in itself. 
find the ideal diet or the ultimate exercise and create the perfect body. For many today, health and body have become our modern gods. I would just start looking through some of the magazines we have here on health. And, man, I mean, we strive for health. we got the pharmaceutical companies out there. We've got uh, nutritional companies out there. Everybody's out. We spend trillions of dollars on health care, billions of dollars on supplements and different type of things to try to preserve our life, physical life. And if you watch the ads, if you, you know, it's really geared that we've almost made health a god. In the pursuit of bodily perfection, millions search endlessly for the latest health secrets. People spend enormous amounts of money on adjustments, injections. And where were we going at one time? We were having injections of those, what was that, B12? B12. What was that thing called? It was called some kind of a cocktail. Cocktail, yeah. A vitamin cocktail or something. Yeah. That's what he's talking about injections, okay? Uh, prescriptions and procedures. Even having own personal trainers. Now, those who are wealthy and afford have their personal trainers, physical trainers. Some even listen to gurus. Others look for special nutrients or the magical cure. In a course of a year, Americans spend more than trillion dollars on health care and billions on supplements and alternative medicine, and yet we are by far the healthiest people in the world. And even now, the government, health care, health care is the big issue. Now, remember, our bodies are only going to design to last for so long. There's nobody that's going to live to be 150 years old. I can say that safely right now. There's a few of us that are going to make up to 100, okay? And we, matter of fact, right now, there's many people over the age of 100 that are living today. Unfortunately, some of them are not in the best of health, but they're still alive. But there are some. We met a man, 105 years old. I was hoping to have him up here someday. And uh, we met him down at Independent Assemblies. And uh, he was an interesting guy. Three-piece suit. Every morning, every day. Reminds me of Grandpa Hanson. <laughs> He's always dressed up, you know, and, uh, and healthy. And one of the things he told us that he always chooses food 30, 32 times? I thought 25, 32 times. So, you know, so that his stomach doesn't have to work so hard in digesting the food. That's off the subject here. Okay. More than 60% in the U.S. are overweight, and then 30% are actually obese. So I'm not sure where the difference comes between overweight and obese, but millions suffer from heart disease, cancer, strokes, diabetic, diabetes, and other, other sicknesses. Millions take drugs for mental disorders. For many, the modern, all-consuming quest for health is an expensive and never-ending search for the, quote, holy grail, unquote, that often fails to produce the health and the peace of mind that people desire. So what we must, we must ask, why? The Western world has developed a distorted perspective on health because we have lost the compass designed to give us the balance in this vital area. We are swept from one extreme to another, from drugs to herbs, from surgery to, quote, massage energy flows. That's uh, New Age type stuff. Because we have lost track of the basic guidelines provided by our Creator in a operating manual or in the operating manual for human beings called the Bible, with the false god of health, I like that the false god of health, replacing the God of the Bible, most people today do not realize that the real God, the Creator of the universe and designer of the human body, is very concerned about your health. There's dozens of verses in the Bible that are devoted to the subject. But the Bible is not a textbook on health and nutrition. Yet, in Scripture, God provides the fundamental principles to guide our personal choices in a way that promote health and prevent disease. Now, this I thought was interesting. In ancient days, remember they did have doctors. Luke was a doctor. In ancient Israel, it was a job of the priests and the Levites not the physicians and health gurus and legislators, to provide the basic health instruction and set the direction for national health policy. If we were to examine a number of biblical principles, we will discover how simple yet up-to-date 
This information is, even though it was recorded thousands of years ago. God has revealed the fundamental truths in the Bible that medical science has taken thousands of years to confirm. But now we're finding out medical science is starting to confirm what the Bible says. Now here is what kind of comes down hard on me. It says, regarding many theologians do not understand the value of health principles recorded in Scripture. He's going to come down on the theologians, the pastors, the preachers, the teachers. Okay. As a result, they have failed to perform an important God function. I thought that was interesting. You know, if health is that important, you know, pastors and teachers, we should be teaching biblical principles, which Dr. Hansen does, by the way. Anyway, probably the best known and least understood biblical health laws deal with clean and unclean meats. Now, not in our ministry. We know about this. But overall... He says, one of the best known and least understood biblical health laws by the theologians and the clergy, which means the people then whom they're teaching, do not have a good understanding. Now, he's going to go and set three different ways theologians have addressed this issue, clean and unclean meats. People often refer to clean and unclean as Jewish food laws. Okay? Because they are still followed by the Orthodox Jews. But it's very interesting. The Muslims follow it, and there's many others that follow these same laws. So they're not really Jewish. They're God's dietary laws. Okay. Many theologians assert, number one, that the biblical guidelines were not given for health reasons, but were merely cultic practices designed to separate ancient Israelites from other people. That's one interpretation. But the theologians say. Now, this was just something that separated the cultic Israel people from other people. That's one. Second teaching is that the, these are instructions from people living under the old covenant and that Christians live under the new covenant and so they are free to eat whatever they want. Three, some argue that the biblical dietary restrictions are silly and old-fashioned and merely limit human freedoms and pleasures. I'm going to add one more here, and it's the misinterpretation of the blanket that came down from heaven with the unclean animals in it. And Peter was said, you know, he could partake of it, eat it. But if you read farther on that particular scripture content, it had nothing to do with the animals. It had to do with the Gentiles. They had to do with people that there is no human being that's unclean. In other words, Gentiles are also you need to witness to. So really, it's, they've taken that out and saying, when they use that phrase, it's a misinterpretation of Scripture. I was taught it that way for years. So this is what I was talking about a little bit earlier. But anyway, then he goes on to say that these widely accepted ideas are based on ignorance. <laughs> Most theologians have little or no training in biology, ecology, microbiology, parasitology, or public health, yet knowledge of these fields reveal the wisdom behind the laws of God about clean and unclean foods. Now, many unclean animals are called scavengers. Okay, that's your snails, your crabs, your lobsters. Their ecological role is to devour dead plants and animals. Now, the other unclean animals are filtered feeders, like clams and oysters. Their role is to purify the water in the lakes, in the streams, in the rivers. Now, the other unclean animals are called predators, lions, snakes, alligators. Their role is to manage the health and size of other animal population. These are very important reasons why the unclean animals God created are not to serve for food for human beings. God had designed them for another purpose. He did not design these to be, but the, he did design them for the health of the earth. Moreover, there are important health reasons behind these dietary restrictions. Many unclean animals carry parasites which cause serious diseases in humans. Pigs, bears, squirrels, raccoons carry trichinosis. 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 Yeah, there it is. Trichinosis. Okay. 
Trichinosis is if you eat uh, basically in the dictionary, I looked up medical dictionary, if you eat pork which is infected insufficiently, you will end up with parasites. Okay, scavengers such as crabs and crayfish transmit lung and liver flukes. And flukes are worms. Okay? Very, very small, minute worms that get into your liver and your, and your lungs. In the human populations that frequently consume these creatures have high rates of parasitic infections. We know Dan. When he was about 17 years old, the doctors gave him up for dead. And he went to a naturopath and he found out that he had parasites in his spine. And by killing off these parasites, he is now a father of about three kids and and healthy and well and doing very, very well. But once again, uh, it's important what we eat. Now, the filter-feeding organisms, such as the clams and the oysters, contain high concentrations of heavy metal. Okay, one of the big causes of, of hardening of arteries is metal. It's called metal poisoning. Matter of fact, some of you have heard about the chelation therapy. And chelation therapy was invented about 45 years ago in Europe. And what it was, it was a treatment for people who had high metal poisoning in their system. Military guys. And they found out by in interjecting this acidic amino acid into their system, it was able to detoxify the metal. And in the process, it softened up the arteries. And they also figured out later in life that this would also help clear the arteries of cholesterol buildup. And so they use that chelation therapy now in that area instead of open heart surgery. But anyway, so if you're eating these type of animals, organisms like clams and oysters, oysters I think most people don't like. So we probably don't have too many people eating oysters. But clams and lobsters and some of those we do. So that's why you don't eat those, okay? Because they can contain heavy metals. And then you wonder why you're getting heart disease. When you eat these creatures, you're actually eating organisms God created by nature as the cleanup crew. Now, this is, this is fun. Would you eat the contents of your cleanup crew, the vacuum cleaner? Or the cleanup crew called your garbage disposal? I don't think so. Yet many gourmet dishes are made of these creatures in blissful ignorance of the risk involved. Far from being outdated, the Old Covenant regulations, the biblical laws concerning clean and unclean meats, was inspired by a God who created all things for a purpose. And God was concerned about promoting health and preventing disease. By avoiding unclean meats is a fundamental step in preventing major parasitic disease that affect hundreds of millions of people around the world. When we eat what God told us not to eat, we do so for your own detriment. And as Pastor Hansen say, you just get to heaven quicker than I do. <laughs> In other words, what he means by that, it's not, a, it's not a salvation issue, but it is certainly definitely a health issue. But I'd like to go one step farther in saying, what is disobedience? Aren't we being somewhat disobedient? And at the price for disobedience in this particular case is not a long life. Just like, the, just like the honor they father and their mother. You know, it comes a deal. If you do, you can have a long life. So if you dishonor that. So mm -hmm. I do think it's, it's more than just a salvation issue. I do believe that it, it's, it does have a sense of disobedience. And if we disobey in one area, it makes us easier to disobey in another area. And it says, regrettably, modern theologians do not understand the value of these powerful public health principles, nor do many professing Christians. If you want more information, he, he goes on that. The Bible contains other important instructions of medical science has only recently come to understand. Moses was inspired to record that blood and fat, even of clean animals, was not to be consumed as human food. And I've got the biblical references here. Yet in many cultures, eating blood sausage, eating fat back, or mixing blood with milk are common practices. Now, the blood of the animals contain bacteria and viruses that transmit disease, even though it's a life for the body. It does do that and causes the, the spread of illness. One of the most significant discoveries 
in the studies conducted the last 50 years has been the link between high-fat diets and heart disease, strokes, and various types of cancer. And they are the leading causes of death in countries which consume large amount of fatty foods. Now, don't, don't, don't jump off the bandwagon because, boy, yesterday I got sick when I, I did some of this. Hamburgers that are heavy in fat. Now we have lean hamburgers. Boy, you have buffalo burgers, which are very, very lean. So you know, don't get, get off the air because say hamburgers, you're not going to go out and eat a hamburger again. Okay? Uh, French fries. Triple thick milkshakes. Ice cream. And heavy salad dressings are consumed. Most common foods like bacon, we don't have a problem with that. Hot dogs, cheese spreads can be as high as 50% fat. High fat diets are also high calorie diets that contribute to the weight problems. Medical science has learned that excessive fat consumption is dangerous, yet God revealed to Moses thousands and thousands of years ago, not millions, but thousands of years ago, it's a tragedy that this biblical information has been ignored by our theologians. In Genesis, we read that God gave mankind fruits, vegetables, and grain for food in addition to meats. In Genesis 9.3, for those that are going to go to the vegetarian route here, vegetables, fruits, and whole grains contain fiber and other complex carbohydrates. Nutritionists now have come to realize the value of these complex carbohydrates. Fiber, once thought to be useless, adds bulk to the intestinal contents and provides a vital role in protecting the body from colon cancer and other chronic diseases. And how many people know they've had died of colon cancer or have intestinal problems? Fiber, they've discovered, even though God knew about a long time ago, but fiber is good for you. <laughs> Complex carbohydrates now. For complex carbohydrates, anybody want to give an idea what they are so we know what we're talking about and just not words? I had to look this stuff up. Stupid plant, Steve says. Too oh, too complex. <laughs> it's fruits, vegetables, and whole grains. Now, the other ones that we're going to talk about will be refined carbohydrates. The Western diet is high has a high consumption of refined carbohydrates. That's refined flour, refined sugar. That's your pure white flour, your pure white bread. The more you eat, the sooner you're dead. That's not mine. Someone picked up a long time ago. But refined flour and sugar have been stripped of the vital nutrients. Matter of fact, Karen and I eat, we, eat, uh, we add a, a chelation, oral chelation stuff that has uh, wheat germ in it. Now, white flour, they take the wheat germ out, take it down to the health food store, and it sells it for a fortune. <laughs> but your white flour have removed the wheat germ, and the wheat germ is that which gives life to the flour. So that's what classifies refined carbohydrates. And Solomon was inspired to record, it is not good to eat much honey. And this one I did, this is something new, I'm not even going to go in, but he says... Though honey is a natural substance, like sugar is a natural substance, but we refine it. But sugar itself is a natural substance. Honey is a natural substance, except, he says, it is refined by the bees that make it. Interesting. So in other words, Solomon said, don't eat too much of that sweet honey. Pollen gathered from many flowers begins a process of honey making. The biblical principle is to use refined carbohydrates sparingly. Now, it doesn't say you have to totally eliminate them. But moderation becomes a very, very important thing. Okay, however, because of the high consumption rate of soft drinks in America, the average is 50 gallons per person. I think that's a six-pack a week, which isn't a whole lot. Okay. So there's a lot of people that consume more than 50 gallons. Okay. And most people ingest more than 100 pounds of refined sugar a year. And that's not much sugar each day if you stop to think about it. Because we have sugar in so many things. And now we're talking refined sugars. We're not talking natural sugars. So you can see why we're having some problems. When these biblical instructions are viewed objectively... They agree with the nutritional advice based on the latest research. Reduce the intake to fats, 
increase your use of complex carbohydrates, fruits, vegetables, and whole grains, limit the consumption of meat and refined carbohydrates, and this is not surprising because God's truth does not change. God revealed these fundamental truths about human nutrition thousands of years ago for the benefit of human beings, and he entrusted that information to the religious leaders who were to teach it to others. And you can look at who's the primary teachers of children, mom and dad. So mom and dad have to change their ideas when they're raising kids of what they're going to eat if they want the kids to be healthy. And we all can get down on our knees and ask for forgiveness on that one. But it is. It says God instructed the religious leaders to help teach others. I mean, the responsibility of being a pastor or a theologian is unbelievable. And it's sobering to realize that most human suffering could be prevented if we would simply follow God's instructions. Okay, now here's some stuff too I think you find joy. The Bible also deals with controversial health issues. Some believe that it's wrong for human beings to eat meat. Pagan Greek philosophers and many in the East, paganism, promoted vegetarian idea in the ancient world, which has now been adopted into the Western world. True vegetarian is a pagan thing that has been now brought into the Christian era. Interesting. Interesting. Now, some argue that because Scripture does not specifically mention that God gave Adam and Eve meat to eat, it should not be eaten. In other words, they've heard out there that, you know, vegetarian diet is a healthy diet. And so the Christians said, well, that's a pagan idea. We don't want that. But, oh, 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 wait a second. God didn't tell Adam and Eve not to eat meat, so therefore we probably shouldn't eat meat. See how, how, we, get, how we get trapped into this. But this overlooks the fact that God, the author of the laws of clean and unclean meats, said, quote, Deuteronomy 14.4, These are the animals which you may eat. So God's not saying you can't eat it. Also overlooked is the meal Abraham served to two angelic beings and the one who became Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Genesis 18.3 The meal included bread, meat, butter, and milk. Jesus Christ served fish to his disciples. Paul cautions the New Testament Christians not to be caught up in vegetarian ideas in Romans 4.12, 14.2, and 1 Timothy 4.3. The Bible has been written to help us stay balanced in the midst of the ideas that lead to dietary extremes. Now, this next one here, coming in a Pentecostal environment, is, and the reason I'm going to talk about it, I almost decided not to do it, but I decided to bring it up anyway because I think we need to look at Scripture, what it says, that we have a choice of what we eat, we have a choice of what we drink, but we need to do it in light of what God says. Oh, before I get on this, going back to clean meats, uh, if we go to Leviticus 11, 4 and 5, it's a very thing when he said, these are the things that you, that you shall not eat. These are unclean to you. Now he's talking to Israelites, okay? These meats are unclean to you. That's Leviticus uh, 11, 4 through 8. You'll see it, and I've underlined to you. Oh, it says, these meats are unclean to you. Okay, now down here, if you get down to verse 4, it says, he is unclean unto you. Verse 6, he is unclean to you. Verse 7, he is unclean to you. And they are unclean to you. Now, the reason I mention that, because you get into Romans 14.4, where Paul says, there is nothing unclean of itself. Romans 14.4. And this can be easy, I think, misinterpreted. Romans 14.14. Okay, now, what I'm getting at here. Paul is saying, nothing is unclean of itself. But God told people in Israel, it is unclean to you. In other words, he created these things for a different purpose. So I think there's a big point here to make that these things are unclean to you as a human being to consume. 
They're not unclean. Like Paul is saying, it's unclean in itself. But he did go in and say that, because Paul believed that he didn't, eat, he didn't eat this stuff. Okay, So why would he be saying all of a sudden, it's all good for you to eat? That is not, that does not line up with Scripture. But he's saying here that the, the animal itself, in and of itself, is not the problem. It's a problem that God says, you are not to eat this because it's unclean to you. So in other words, people will use Romans 14 to 4 and say, well, I can go ahead and eat all that stuff. Yeah. That's not what he's saying. Mm-hmm. You can't pray over an unclean animal and make it clean. Yeah. It's by the word. the word. So in other words, you've got to go back to the word of God. Mm-hmm. What did the word of God say? These are unclean to you. Mm-hmm. He said it's sanctified by the word and prayer. Yeah. Those animals were created for good to clean the waters, to try to keep down the population of like the lion, the predators. Mm-hmm. So that the sick animals will be destroyed because they'll get rid of those and let the healthy animals live. And, then, and so the, God created all animals good. There was nothing he didn't create that wasn't good. But that had nothing to do. He says, these foods are unclean to you to eat because not healthy for human beings to participate of. But it says the word, if the word says it's bad, you know, and prayer. You gotta, Dr. Hansen taught me that one too, that, that big underlying that word and. The word and prayer. Now, let me get on to the one I was going about. This has to do with alcohol and drug abuse. For many religious people, alcohol is a red flag, and it's called the devil's brew. While the Bible clearly condemns drunkenness and the abuse of alcohol, Proverbs 20, verse 1, and also 1 Corinthians 5, 11, Old Testament, New Testament, Scripture recommends the use for a variety of purposes, starting in Deuteronomy 14, 26, Jesus turned the water into wine, John 2, 1, 11. And someone told me that was grape juice, but if it was grape juice, why were people getting high and drunk on it? So it had to be wine. Paul recommended the use of, uh, of wine for promoting health. He told Timothy, a little bit of wine is good for the stomach, your infirmities. And so we'll turn a lot of times and take strong narcotics and drugs to cure our illness where the Lord said at one time, maybe a little wine for your body would be a little bit better than taking, taking drugs. But the key is moderation. Moderate amounts of, of uh, wine produces relaxation, raises the HDL levels in your blood, and reduces the risk of cardiovascular disease and increased stomach acids, aiding digestion for the elderly. The Bible produces, provides important guidelines for the use of wine, uh, requiring personal decisions to develop the individual character. So in other words, you're not going out and drink because the Bible says so, but the Bible says there's a certain reason why it would be good for you. Just like there's certain meats you should eat, certain meats you shouldn't. So in other words, we need to look to the Bible for, for direction. Okay, now while tobacco and recreational drugs are not mentioned in Scripture, now here's one of the deals some people say, well, if it's not mentioned in Scripture, it's either okay or it's not okay. You hear both ways. So the argument is, well, tobacco and recreation drugs are not mentioned in Scripture. The principles governing the use of such substance are clearly stated when Paul writes, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and if anyone defiles the temple, the body of God, God will destroy him. Now, God doesn't have to destroy you if you misuse drugs and alcohol because your body will destroy itself. That's right. So understand that. The Bible plainly states that we are not to damage our bodies, which drug abuse, whether it's legal or not legal, plainly does. The biblical principles in preventing our preventative nature, and anyone with common sense can see this. To give the craving to alcohol, tobacco, to drugs, is a form of idolatry and lust, violating several principles of the commandments. Biblical principles, health principles, not intend to limit human pleasure, but it is designed to ensure that those pleasures will bring positive and enjoyable experiences. Exercise. How much money is spent on exercise today? You know, health clubs are doing fantastic business. And people will spend two, three, four hours a day exercising. Uh, they're not watching television. They're exercising for the body. Throughout history, many Christians have been led to believe that they should leave a quiet, sedentary life of prayer, study, and meditation. Yet Jesus Christ came to this earth not as a clustered monk, 
but as a carpenter in an age without power tools. He chose fishermen like Peter, Andrew, James, and John, who did not have diesel-powered wrenches to pull in their nets. <laughs> when Jesus called his disciples to follow him, this included walking hundreds of miles a year. These examples are important because this physical active lifestyle kept them healthy and provided stamina for completing their mission. Just I thought that was an interesting statement. As Apostle Paul advised that our primary focus should be on spiritual matters, where he states, quote, bodily exercise profits a little, unquote. In other words, exercise does profit a little. This is exactly what modern research is showing. Exercise must occur on a regular basis, but its benefits are only temporary. However, these benefits are vital. Reducing cholesterol levels, blood pressure, stress, preventing diabetes, heart disease, and a host of other problems. In other words, exercise is good, but it only has a temporary benefit. If you stop exercising, your body will go downhill. This is one thing Karen, when she can't get out and walk. She keeps saying, I'm gaining weight, because she's not out walking. And there's truth in this. You need a little bit of exercise every day. But to spend hours and hours exercising a day is not what the scripture says. It says it in, in small amounts of moderation. Okay, one of the most interesting developments in health education, which is developing here recently, is what they call spiritual health. This area of, of study acknowledges that the vital role of beliefs and values play an influencing behavior and health. Individuals who believe in God, who attend church regularly, hold strong moral convictions, are less likely to smoke, abuse, intoxications, uh, engage in promiscuity, sexual activities. The Bible labels these things as sin to be avoided. Just like the biblical dietary guidelines, the biblical prohibitions of gluttony, lethargy, drunkenness, sexual promiscuity are important for us today, but fall within public health guidelines for healthful living. Biblical principles of health are often striking contrast to the misguided values of our permissive, if it feels good, society. If it feels good, do it, society. When biblical values are taught by the family, reinforced by the churches and the schools, individuals are more likely to develop positive behavior, promote health, and prevent disease. Yet, they just turn this around and say we want to get rid of the biblical guidelines, we want to get rid of the biblical principles, we want to take God out of schools, we want to take all this out. But yet, even health departments realize that those who have a biblical background, who attend church, who pray, have a better health style and are healthy people. They don't have to have health care as much as others. But they don't listen to that. However, there is much more in the Bible than a list of do's and don'ts regarding health. While many today have lost sight of God's instructions and made health at the end of itself, the Bible provides more profound reasons for our life choices. In other words, everything we've talked about, what we eat, what we drink, is all a choice. How we live our lifestyle is a choice. But the choice needs to be based on biblical principles. From Scripture we learn that we are made in the image of God, that we will be held accountable for our actions, and that we should glorify God in our bodies. Yet our bodies were not made to last forever, and there's, I've got a bunch of references here, Scripture. Our real challenge is to learn to think like God and develop God's character like His and show love for others. This is the merely a training ground for an amazing future. In other words, whenever we do, the choices we make should be done to glorify God in what we do and in our bodies. That should be the key, what we eat, what we drink, the work we do, what we say, where we go, all of that. Now, this is where we started out. Do not be deceived. Health principles are an important part of biblical religion. So you can be as spiritual as you want to be. You can pray 24 hours a day and uh, 26 hours on a weekend, and that, but that's all you do, unfortunately, and give up your health, you will lose your health. Health is important. As much as physical health is as important as spiritual health. You need to take care of it.
They are the fundamental keys revealed by our Creator to promote health and prevent disease. When properly understood, explained, and applied, these principles are an incredible blessing for all of mankind. Now, if you would take the way God has designed us to live, and one thing He told the children of Israel, this is what you do, this will make you healthy, you'll be blessed, and you'll be a blessing to others. Because if they follow the same principles as I'm showing you, then they will be blessed. And if you don't do it, and you follow their principles, you're all going to be cursed. And then it says, Beloved, I pray that... And then he goes to 3 John 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. I just thought this was a real good article and... And uh, we need to keep everything in perspective. But I like where we go to extremes. Like he talked about, you know, some people go, you know, drugs and then they go all the way over to the herbs, you know. And you, you, know, you can't go to the extremes because extremes will become gods. If you go to one extreme or go to the other extreme, it can become a god. We're not allowed that to become gods. We have to be careful on that. So, hopefully, in this ministry, we will be able to say that we have taught some of the principles of the Bible in terms of health that many theologians have poo-pooed in the past. Because I think it's important that we do take care of ourselves. And we know within this ministry, we have symptoms of all of this stuff. And we've heard pastors teach us, you know, we need to change our lifestyle, what we eat and what we do. Uh, we need to do that. And we've watched... Uh, we have a machine that tests for antioxidants in your body level, and we found people that score above 50,000 are much healthier than those that score down in the lower ones. So, and a lot of that has to do with what the people have eaten over their life. This is what's happening in our society. For those of us that are a little bit older, came in a society where we didn't have a lot of prepared foods. You didn't have uh, canned chicken noodle soup. You didn't have canned tomato soup. Ours was made fresh. The chickens, you go out and cut them fresh. Uh, they didn't have to have preservatives. Now we live in a society where we have, and I'm not nagging, but we have a lot of preservatives, which in order to preserve the shelf life of foods, you have to preserve it. And the choice we've we've elected to preserve it is basically a chemical as opposed to natural because natural pres uh, preservatives do not last as long. Now, remember they said like in the Passover, you eat the whole meal. Well, back in the old days when you cooked a meal, basically you had to eat all of it because you had no way to save the meat. So the only time you really had a big meat dinner is when you had the whole family over and you butchered the whatever it was and you ate it all, basically, and then you have to smoke the rest of it. But in our society now, in order to live by biblical principles, we have to use the eyes and the mind to read labels. And if you want to be as healthy as you can, you have to stay away from, as much as possible, away from preservatives. And that's not easy to do in our day and age. Now, I believe in drugs. I do not have anything against drugs because I know drugs can save a life. Uh, if you're in an emergency situation, that drug, to give an example, we, uh, uh, Flo Ellers took nitro tablets, four of them, to preserve her life so she got to the doctor. And without that, she would have been dead. Sure. So, in other words, drugs have a, a reason to be used. But if one has to rely upon them, now you've got a major problem because it'll destroy you. Uh, nuclear power. Uh, nuclear energy can be is, I still believe, the safest form of energy we have other than sunlight. Uh, but nuclear power, as opposed to coal, is the cleanest we have. But yet, it can be used for total destruction. If it's good, it can usually be used for t total destruction. Uh, and so this is why we, we have to learn to discern how to use it for a good purpose and not for the bad purpose. And this is man's responsibility that we have. Basically, Scripture says not to eat. You know, you should have a more healthy diet of fruits and vegetables than you are with the meat end of it. 
And if you look at that, so but what's happened in our society now? There is such a great demand for the meats, the fish, the meat, the beefs, and so the farmer has to be able to produce it. So they found ways to jack it up so they can get a faster production in order to meet what the people want, which is not biblical because they're not supposed to eat that much of that stuff. In other words, do you need a, a 12-ounce T-bone or could you satisfy it with an 8-ounce or a 6-ounce? You know, And you go out to a restaurant, you're not going, it's very seldom to get You're going to have to have the bigger meal. So in other words, we have, because the choice we have made in our lifestyles has forced the farmers to do what they do in order to be, provide what has to be done. So you can see, the whole principle, it comes back into here. Right now, most farmers are losing on every head of cattle they have, even if they're being fed hormones. I'll defend the farmer because I've got family that still farm, and I know how, what a struggle it is and the high cost of land. So, but they're not making enormous profits. Like uh, if you look at the utility companies, telephone because uh, I used to fly for a corporation had a jet had a jet airplane and, and we had to keep records because it got to go into the cost of operation and so they had to verify it. But they're allowed to make a seven percent profit. There's no farmer out there that's making a seven I don't know about the large corporations. I know nothing about them. But for the small farmer they're not making a seven percent profit, which is what a guideline that, that you utility companies can go on. A gear, that's what you can do is well, this is like ten years ago anyway you can make a 7% profit. And so what you do is you raise your high cost of all the expenses as high as you get them, you know. And so you could, you know, keep that, that margin because they would allow you 7% on top of whatever you, you're expending. So. And now the problem we have with the food chain is, uh, is the hybrids, which can no longer produce seed. And there's some ba major problems on that because... Most of your grains that we eat, the life is in the seed. Okay, that's what will grow. And if you don't have life inside of that crop that can no longer produce itself, are we kind of denying some of the nutrition that we should have in our body? Uh, just like overcooking of foods, an egg, uh, any food, especially vegetables, if you overcook them, you end up killing off the nutrition of it. So we should never, never overcook anything. Uh, the thing with pasteurization. Pasteurization uh, is a good thing when you're doing things in mass quantities because it prevents disease. But in the process of pasteurization, you kill off the value of the enzymes inside the food. So we have a problem. Like raw milk. I like raw milk. I can still get it. But once you start to pasteurize it, you kill off, other than the calcium that's in there, you kill off the nutrition of the milk. And then when you homogenize it, you make those little fat molecules, you break them down into tiny little stuff like that so it doesn't coagulate. And when you do it, now your bloodstream can absorb that. Where before in the big particles, it'll pass through your blood system. This is what we have to teach, at least... If we're classified as a commonwealth of Israel, how does God want us to eat? And let's eat the way God says, and let's not do some of these things that are done in our society to prevent disease. But So you have to kind of understand what's going on. And so now we can see why our bodies don't have the immune system that we used to have. And I'll spend a little more of my time just like on vaccines. A young child, when it's born, comes out of the mother's womb at that point in time, its immune system is not developed. So anytime you inject anything into that immune system, you're causing the immune system to overwork or however it works. And so your immune system gets. The other one is is that we're so used to, as soon as I get a headache, I want to take a, an aspirin. You know, I don't like headaches. I hate headaches. Praise the Lord, I don't get many of them. But the first thing our deal is, is I, want, I want an instant cure. I don't want to suffer this pain. So we take aspirins. Not that there's anything wrong, but... Over the life, I'm now 67 years of age, if I would have been taking these little non-prescription chemicals all along the way, each and every one of those helps destroy the immune system. So now when I get to be older, all of a sudden, I can't fight off the diseases I used to be able to fight off. 
you know, I could, you know, fight off coals better. Because you will get them. I mean, we live in an imperfect society, and, and anybody says he never had a cold, I figure it's probably a liar. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you are going to get sick, and you're going to get viruses. The virus will come. I don't know how we can prevent viruses because our bodies have, don't have the immune system we used to have. So now we got the problem. You can't let a virus run rampant in your system because if it does, it'll destroy you. So you've got to take care of it. And the pharmaceutical companies have got a gold mine out there because, you know, they've got a stuff to do it. But So you say, don't you take medicine? No, I'm not saying that. But I say we live in a culture which I think is slowly coming to the point until we get to, to the thousand-year millennium reign where this hopefully will all reverse itself. But until that point in time, you know, we have to make choices and try to make our choices the best we can. So if you have the ability to eat the proper foods and stay away from those foods that we know are not healthy, we should do so to the best of our ability. And this is where I think that, you know, when it says word and prayer, sometimes we got to pray over meals because you know, it's got some stuff in there that may not be good for you. So we know that God's a miracle worker. He can heal things that nobody else can, the doctors. So. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.